Many people say they know Jesus, but all too often they know about him, but they don't truly know him. For this reason, Dr. David Jeremiah wrote The Jesus You May Not Know, which provides insight about his eternal nature and role on earth and in heaven. This book is yours with a gift of any amount to Turning Point. And for donations of $75 or more, you'll receive the book, He Is Bookmark, Study Guide, and CD or DVD album. Go to davidjeremiah.ca. In running, it's always good to start strong, but it's far more important to finish strong. Every runner wants to cross the finish line at full stride. Today, on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah brings his series, The Tender Warrior, to the finish line with a look at how King David reached the end of his earthly life with God-honoring strength. Listen as David shares today's message, Passing the Torch. You probably remember the part of this series where David was told that he could not build the temple because he was a man of war and that God would not allow him to build a temple for him because of that. And uh, so David determined that the temple would not be built by him, but be built by his son. He's now at the end of his life. And what do you see him doing? Believe it or not, he's raising money for the temple project. He's trying to underwrite the whole project so that all his son has to do is build the building and not raise money. I think that's an amazing insight into David's life, how he went out of his way at the end of his life to prepare his son for what was to come and how wonderfully well he did that. We'll get started in a few moments with our last message in the Tender Warrior series, and the message is called Passing the Torch. We're going to look at First Chronicles 22. This is the last day I can make available to you the resource for the month of July, which is the book that God shot. I don't have to tell you any more about it. I've been talking about it all month. But this beautiful book is available to you for a gift of any size. You need to get your letter in the mail today. We'll have a new series and a new resource when we meet together tomorrow. So take advantage of this last day and make sure you get your copy of The God Shot. Just ask for it when you send your gift to Turning Point, and it'll be on its way. I want to remind you also that there are study guides and CD packages for the series on David. Uh, you can uh, replay this whole series with notes in front of you. You can be a facilitator for a small group uh, talking about the life of David, which is very intriguing. You can use this in a Sunday school class or just for your own personal enjoyment. The study guides and uh, the CD packages are available from davidjeremiah.org. Also want to remind you on this last broadcast of the month of July that we are filling up the rooms in Israel very quickly. If you plan to go with us when we go to Israel in March, we encourage you to get your reservation in as soon as possible. The dates are March 12th through the 22nd, an extended tour of Israel, Galilee, the Dead Sea, the Jordan River, Masada, all of the sites around Jerusalem, an incredible time together with God's people, and um, I hope you can come and be with us. We are ready to start now with this last of our lessons on David, so let's talk about passing the torch. It is once again better tremendous blessing to the student who is your preacher to study the life of this man personally. I have benefited greatly from the study of David. I was not surprised to read recently concerning the life of a man by the name of Clarence McCartney 
who is known to all of us who are preachers as one of the great biographers of the Bible, a man who preached many wonderful sermons and wrote many wonderful books on the personalities of the scripture. In the introduction to one of his books, he wrote these words. He said that in his first pastorate, he made the important discovery that people liked to hear sermons on Bible characters and that the preacher could preach on Bible characters more naturally, more fluently, and practically than on any other subject. The great advantage of such preaching, he said, was this, that you actually summon these men themselves into the pulpit and you allow them to preach for you. And he was right. In many respects over these past days, David, not the one you're looking at, did the preaching. He preached to us from First and Second Samuel and from the books of Chronicles as his life was unfolded before us, and we have grown to love and appreciate him. Today, as we look at the closing chapter of his life, we have the opportunity to listen to the heart of this man as he determines how best to end his life on this earth and prepare his son for that which lay before him. I'd like to suggest to you that he did six things, and we can look at them quickly in the text. First of all, he determined to leave something behind him that would honor his God. In 1 Chronicles chapter 22 and verse 5, and then again in verse 14, we can listen to the heartbeat of David as he thinks about the future. And David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender, and the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent, of fame and of glory throughout all the countries. I will therefore now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Notice verse 14. Now behold, in my trouble, I have prepared for the house of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold and a thousand thousand talents of silver and of brass and iron without weight, for it is in abundance. Timber also and stone have I prepared and thou mayest add thereto. What David did before he died was this. He decided to build something that would live on after his death. He had what some of us call an ultimate goal. An ultimate goal is a goal that does not die when you do. An ultimate goal is something that lives on after your death. It is possible to accomplish something after your death which you would never have been able to do during your life. And David proves that because in his heart, though he could not build the temple himself, he dedicated the closing years of his life to make sure that that temple would be built and it would stand as an honor and glory to his great God. David's goal and his dream was wrapped up in the building of a place where God would be worshipped. And he determined to leave something behind that would honor his God. The second thing David did as he approached his death was to disciple his successor who would carry on God's work. In the 22nd chapter, verses 6 through 13, David prepares his son Solomon to follow him as the leader of Israel. It is a wonderful picture of discipleship in every respect. The first part of the section dealing with David's discipleship of Solomon has to do with the construction of the building. The second half of that chapter has to do with the character of the builder. 
It is interesting that David spends very little time talking about the building and he takes a lot of time to discuss the character of the builder. In fact, if you will look down in your Bibles in chapter 22, you will notice in verse 12 that David has a great concern about Solomon. He's concerned about his wisdom and his understanding. He wants him to be a wise man. He is concerned about his obedience. At the end of the 13th verse, he talks about Solomon's commitment to keep the law of the Lord God, to prosper only if he fulfills the statutes and judgments which the Lord charged Moses concerning Israel. He's concerned not only about his wisdom and understanding and his his obedience, but he's very concerned about his courage. At the end of the 13th verse, he says, Be strong and of good courage. Dread not, nor be dismayed. It is interesting that in the 28th chapter, David again appeals to Solomon to be strong and courageous and not to fear. It seems as if this is the quality he most emphasizes in his conversation with Solomon before his death. Solomon, don't be a coward. Be courageous. David knew from his long years of ministry that Solomon would face many opportunities to cower from the principles of God's word. And he urged Solomon, don't do it. You be strong and you stand true to the things that God has said to you. In the book of Joshua, when Moses was passing off the scene and he was committing himself to Joshua, the Lord said to Joshua these very same words, only be thou strong and courageous. In the book of Ezekiel, when Ezekiel the prophet is getting started as a prophet, he is given the same direction. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, Ezekiel 3.9. Over and over again in the Bible, we have this instruction to God's people and especially to his leaders. Don't be afraid. But God's instruction is clear. We're to stand upon his word. We're to be obedient to his law. We're to be wise and understanding. But most of all, we're to be men and women of courage. For the work is great and it is no place for cowards. Not only did David determine to leave something beyond him after he had gone and spend time discipling his successor to carry on the work. The third thing we note about David in his closing days is this. He directed the leaders to assist his son in the process. Notice verses 17 through 19 in the 22nd chapter. Here we see the heart and the sensitivity of this man David. Just before dying, just before turning the reins of Israel over to his son, he brings all of the leaders of Israel together. And this is what the scripture says. David also commanded all the princes of Israel to help Solomon his son, saying, Is not the Lord your God with you? And hath he not given you rest on every side? For he hath given the inhabitants of the land into mine hand. And the land is subdued before the Lord and before his people. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Arise, build ye the sanctuary of the Lord God. Bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the holy vessels of God into the house that is to be built in the name of the Lord. David knew that Solomon would not be sufficient in his own strength to accomplish this task. Let me share with you a little-known fact about Solomon. When he became king of Israel, he was a teenager. He was not yet 20 years of age. David had been the king of Israel for 40 years, either in his early 60s or very surely approaching his 60s. And now he's turning all of this over to a young man who has not turned 20 yet. No wonder he got all the leaders together and he said, Listen, this young man's going to need your help. 
Don't you strand him out there by himself. You encourage him. You seek God along with him. And you stand with him to help him accomplish the goal that has been set before him. Here we see the tenderness of the man David and his sensitivity even to Solomon, his own son. The fourth thing that David did in getting ready to die was this. He described the organization that would be necessary to accomplish all that God had in store for Israel. I wish I could have had an extra sermon in the life of David to preach on his organizational ability. If you study that, you will be amazed at how he organized the army, how he organized the Levites, how he organized the civil government. He was not only a great student and a great singer and a great soldier, but he was a great administrator. And he saw the big things that needed to be done in such a way that he could break them down into small sections and make sure they were accomplished. During the time that David was the king of Israel, we are told that the Levitical priesthood was quadrupled. If you will look in chapter 23 and verse 3, you will discover that the Levites during this closing hour of David's life had multiplied into 38,000 strong, almost four times as many Levites as were present when David took the office. Now, the Levites, of course, were the people who ministered around the temple. They were what we would call the servants of God or the preachers or the priests. David, anticipating the completion of the temple, knowing that there would be a great influx of spiritual activity, had caused the priesthood to grow and to swell in its size and numbers. So that when the building was finished, the ministry would go on without any transition period at all. He was a very wise king. In fact, someone has suggested that David's preparation of the temple and of the Levites was of such a nature that it explains to some degree Solomon and his wisdom in the days that followed David. One writer has written this. He said, no great general ever arose out of a nation of cowards, and no great statesman or philosopher out of a nation of fools, and no great artist out of a nation of materialists, and no great dramatist except when the drama was the passion of the people. Greatness is never more than the highest degree of an excellence which prevails around it and forms the environment in which it grows. Now, if this is true, the rise of Solomon, who was so conspicuous for his intellectual culture and scientific attainments, may be regarded as proof that in the reign of David, and more particularly in the zenith of his administration, education was a very high priority, and it earnestly fostered Solomon as one of its adherents. In other words, the writer has said that through the Levites, which was a part of the educational system of the culture of Israel, David reared up a system of education that to some degree explains even his own son Solomon, who was a man of great wisdom and a man of great ability. So David is putting together the whole system he has a dream that he wants to see accomplished. He's now discipled his own son, Solomon, to give leadership to it. He's gathered the leaders around Solomon and, and entrusted them with Solomon's uh, preservation. And now we notice next that he gives to Solomon the architectural plan for the temple itself. This is interesting because I remember reading the life of David and I don't remember this sticking in my memory. That even though David was not allowed to build the temple because he was a man who had shed blood, God nevertheless gave to David the entire plan and pattern of the temple 
which he in turn passed on to Solomon. Turn in your Bibles to the 28th chapter of 1 Chronicles and notice with me verses 10 and 11. And we read this in 1 Chronicles chapter 28. Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. And David gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the porch and of the houses thereof and of the treasuries thereof and of the upper chambers thereof and of the inner parlors thereof and of the place of the mercy seat and the pattern of all that he had by the spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord and all the chambers round about the treasuries of the house of God and of the treasuries of the dedicated things. And then look at verse 19. All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me even all the works of this pattern. So even though David couldn't build the temple himself while he was not allowed to do it, God nevertheless gave to David in detail everything that was to be in the temple. And in literally, the scripture says, God wrote it down for David on David's heart. I can just imagine David transferring this to whatever kind of architectural blueprint was available in that day. And now he brings this in and he lays it out before Solomon. And he said, Solomon, my son, Here's what you are to build. God gave this to me. This is the plan. This is the pattern. Build this exactly as God has said it should be built. So even though Solomon was but a teenager, notice how God, through David, had provided for his initial success. He had leaders around him who would help him. He had the pattern of what he was supposed to do. He had had a father who had discipled him in his character and in his attitudes. And now notice the last thing that David does is he brings all the congregation together and he gives his farewell sermon to the congregation. I must admit that when I read this, I felt very sad because I felt like David was saying goodbye to all of us and that we wouldn't see him again. And then I was reminded that anytime we wish we can visit with him, he is always there available to us if we'll just open the Bible and read. In fact, if you'd like to go back and start over, you may do so at any time you wish. But as he gives his farewell sermon, there is a note of sadness in it. David does several things as he gives his farewell speech to the congregation. First of all, he reminds them once again of Solomon's youth. His message is in the 29th chapter of 1 Chronicles. Notice the first verse. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Can you see the passion and tenderness in David? He keeps reminding these people, listen, he's just a kid. He's just a youth. If you try to make him do this by himself, he will fail. He's young and tender, and he needs your help. And then David reminds them of the input he's already made to the project. In the next few verses, he tells them of all that he has done. He tells of the gifts he's made from his own treasury, of all of the things that he has gathered together to provide for the payment of this building. And then thirdly, he requests the congregation to get involved. Notice the end of the fifth verse. It struck me as quite interesting that the last message David gave to his people was a stewardship message. Can you believe it? The last thing he did to his people was to encourage them to get involved in giving to the temple project. Notice the fifth verse, the last phrase. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? The result of David's 
stewardship message was that the people came from everywhere bringing gifts to the temple. And the scripture says they did it with joy. In fact, four times in the text you will see the word willingly. They did it with a willing spirit. Notice verse 5. Who then is willing to consecrate this service unto the Lord? And then again in verse 6. The rulers of the king's work offered willingly. And verse 9. The people rejoiced that they offered willingly. For they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. There was a magnificent offering received based upon David's own personal commitment. And the scripture says everybody was excited and they all willingly gave to the project. The end of it was that there is a great prayer of rejoicing and David's thanksgiving prayer is a wonderful prayer. Verse 17 says, I know of my heart that I have willingly offered all these things and I have seen with the joy of thy people which are present here to offer willingly unto thee. David seems to have captured in his closing message what in many respects is the secret to his own life. The word willing is a word which comes from the same root as the word translated often by the word volunteer. David was the volunteer. And David was the one who encouraged volunteerism on the part of his people. He was the one who volunteered to fight Goliath, remember? He was the one who volunteered to be God's ambassador for his people. And now he is encouraging the people to get involved in serving the Lord. It is surely the secret to David's life. And we read at the end of the 29th chapter, in verse 26, that David, the son of Jesse, reigned over all of Israel. And the time that he reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron. 33 years he reigned in Jerusalem. And he died in a good old age, full of days, riches, and honor. And Solomon, his son, reigned in his stead. Thus endeth the life of David. Now, you know, when we studied the life of Saul, I told you that there was an epitaph for Saul that would probably be found on his tombstone. And we looked it up and we discovered that Saul's epitaph was this. I have played the fool. Remember that? That's a capsule statement of Saul's life. He played the fool and he died. Well, I found David's epitaph too, and I want to show it to you. You would never find it probably reading in the Old Testament because it's not there. But you will discover it if you look in Acts chapter 13 and verse 36. It's a wonderful thing for us to look at as we close out this series of messages on David. Acts chapter 13 and verse 36. Look with me, please. Acts 13 verse 36. Paul was preaching And this is one of his sermons, and he uses David as an illustration. And there is the epitaph. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep. What a tremendous testimony to a man of God. David served his generation by the will of God. When I was ordained, my father gave the ordination message, and he preached on that verse And he challenged me as another David to serve my generation by the will of God. And I will never forget his words, for he reminded me that I could not serve the generation that had gone before me, for that was not my responsibility. Nor could I, in a real sense, be responsible for the generation that would follow me. That responsibility belonged to somebody else. But I could serve my generation by the will of God. 
And it certainly seems to me that as we close out the life of David, that describes him better than anything we might say. David was a servant. Oh yes, he was a singer and a soldier and a statesman and all the rest of that. But more than anything else, he was a servant. I remember at the beginning of this series, I showed you two Psalms that spoke of David. In Psalm 78, we read this about David. God chose David also his servant and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes great with young, he brought him to feed Jacob his people. And then in Psalm 89 we read, I have found David my servant, and I have anointed him with my holy oil. What a wonderful way to describe someone. David the servant. Well, that's the key to all of us who lead. Uh, we can't lead if we don't know how to serve. Leadership is serving others, and David learned how to do that, and especially in the latter part of his life, he's a great example to all of us of what it means to be a godly person. Thank you so much for being with us as we've taught the life of this Old Testament man. What a great encouragement he is to all of us, and what a shining light he is to our own walk with the Lord, and a reminder to us that none of us are perfect. He surely was not but he was not perfect, but he was a man after God's heart. None of us will ever be perfect. All of us can be men and women after the heart of God. Well, when we meet again tomorrow, we'll begin a new series called When Your World Falls Apart. Are you having a tough time going through some stuff? We're going to talk about all of that during the month of August, and I hope you'll come and join us then. Thank you so much for being a part of this ministry for praying for us, for supporting us financially, and for just being there every day. We'll see you next time. I'm David Jeremiah. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Tender Warrior, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of The God Shot, a devotional focused on God's character by teacher and podcast host Tara Lee Cobble. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in a variety of attractive cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we begin When Your World Falls Apart on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. Are you struggling with jealous friends, unexpected temptations, or even big battles? These can be difficult to navigate. 
But Dr. David Jeremiah, through his study on King David in The Tender Warrior, teaches you what you can do when you face these situations. This month, when you give a gift of $120 or more to Turning Point, we'll send you the complete two-part CD album, study guide set, and the God Shot devotional. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. When George Washington led American troops to victory over the British in the American Revolution, he shocked leaders in Europe by giving up his role as commander. He also refused, when pressed, to become the nation's first leader to be called King Washington. Who influenced this man in these humble directions? Well, it was likely his mother. She taught him biblical principles of political and social morality and held family prayers and Bible readings twice a day in Washington's younger years. Her early godly influence guided Washington in critical moments of his life. Godly mothers have shaped the lives of leaders and nations throughout history. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover the power of godly mothers on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.